Welcome to our Clothed with the Sun daily podcast, our reading and meditation on the Gospel of the Day. I am James Thomas. Today is Monday, November the 6th, 2023. It's the 31st Monday in Ordinary Time, and our reading today is from the Gospel according to St. Luke. On a Sabbath, Jesus went to dine at the home of one of the leading Pharisees. He said to the host who invited him, When you hold a lunch or a dinner, do not invite your friends or your brothers or sisters or your relatives or your wealthy neighbors, in case they may invite you back and you have repayment. Rather, when you hold a banquet, invite the poor, the crippled, the lame, the blind. Blessed indeed will you be because of their inability to repay you, for you will be repaid at the resurrection of the righteous." So let's talk about this a little bit, (laughs) as if we're not going to. Jesus says, when you hold a lunch or a dinner, do not invite your wealthy neighbors. I, I guess sometimes people do that. But he also says, do not invite your friends, your brothers and sisters, your relatives. Well, we do that all the time. In case they may invite you back and you have repayment. Okay, let's just look at that a little bit. I'm pretty sure since Jesus ate with his friends all the time, (laughs) that he's not saying it's a sin to uh, have lunch or dinner with your mother, your children, (laughs) your cousins. But he's saying there's no merit in that. It's, It's something nice to do. It's a part of life. But you don't gain any treasure for heaven by doing that. There's no supernatural merit. We all have each other over for dinner. And that's nice. And it's really something to be grateful to Almighty God for, to say, Lord, thanks that I have people in my life. Sometimes we don't have people, you know, that I can say, yeah, they can come over my place. I can go over their place. We have a meal together. We enjoy each other's company. It's a nice thing. But if we wish to have treasure in heaven, Jesus says, when you hold a banquet, I think to myself, All right, I can see having some sandwiches and inviting some people over, but holding a banquet. Invite the poor, the crippled, the lame, the blind. When was the last time any of us listening have done that? So how many lame, blind, crippled, poor people do you know? And if you did invite them like to your house or something, or you just held a banquet for them, Would they even come? Would they think like, all right, this is some weirdo. Why is he inviting me? Or why is she inviting me? How how do I know they're there? I mean, nowadays, the the, the government policies and whatnot are aimed towards uh, aborting people that have injuries in the womb, birth defects. And after they are born, I mean, more and more, we're moving to a society of um, euthanasia and physician-assisted suicide. These horror stories, uh, futuristic novels are, are starting to come true. So let's get away from that. Let's get to how can we, how can you and I fulfill these words? All right, one thing that comes to mind about holding a banquet for the poor is working at a soup kitchen. And you know, when he says hold a banquet, all right, maybe we start by volunteering. Maybe over time we we take charge of the thing. We, we find that there's more poverty and we can help in even greater ways. There are some people that really devote themselves to helping the poor. Or doing something in conjunction with a hospital or hospice. 
You know, how can I contribute? I know some people like to do things on Thanksgiving Day or at Christmas time, going into the city, helping soup kitchens, maybe even giving out food or blankets to poor people on the streets. So another thing that goes through my head is each of us has a calling, and it's a big picture calling, but it's also a day-to-day calling. <laughs> I'm not going <laughs> to, I'm thinking of a conversation I had. I'm a Star Wars uh, fan, big Star Wars geek. And uh, we got, I got in a conversation with numerous people a week or two ago about, you know, at the end of Return of the Jedi, is Darth Vader truly converted? So he saves his son. All right. No man hath greater love than to lay down his life for his friends. Well, that's great. That's a sign of redemption. Yet at the same time, Jesus says, if you love those who love you, what merit is there in that? This man that's part machine killed planets. He destroyed races of people. And now he saves his son. That's nice that he saved his son. We're glad for that. And that's how the story ends. But what about all those other people? Anyway, and and then I think to myself, well, your children, if you have children, if you have grandchildren, in a way they are the poor, the crippled, the lame, the blind, right? Because they're not making their own money yet. They're not in charge of their own lives yet. So you're, you're making sacrifices for them, I'm sure. And there is merit in that. Not looking to be repaid, but just doing it, you know, because they need you. Yet at the same time, Jesus says, well, if you only do it for those who love you, what merit is there in that? So there's some merit in that. But then I think to myself, what is it are you called to? What am I called to where we can fulfill these words? So I think to myself, when I get involved in teaching, when I get involved in mentoring young people, that is a way to fulfill this. As long as they're not paying me back, trust me, most of them do not. Some of them do, and it's great to see because then I'm proud of them to see how they've matured. And how they've grown in the Christian virtue. Uh, and they pay me back sometimes just by doing well. Or just by maybe I, I get a compliment. After a couple of years of working with a really tough kid, maybe you get a compliment. There's a kid right now, he's in his 30s, I think. He might even be in his 40s at this point. I taught him <laughs> 30 years ago, 25 years ago. He gave me such a rough time. I I love the kid. <laughs> he made me laugh, but he was... He really got in a lot of trouble. He gave me a rough time. And now I see him on Facebook and he's really successful. He's doing really well. He doesn't even look like the same kid. And a couple times recently, he threw me some compliments and I'm like, oh man, wow, that's just so great. But what if he never did? What if I was never repaid with those compliments? And even so, the compliments, all right, they're nice. But I mean, I spent a lot of time, long hours dealing with this kid. Well, anyway, regardless of earthly rewards, we don't look for them. We don't do it for them. We do it, hopefully, whatever it is that you and I are called to, whatever it is that you and I can do to contribute to society and society's betterment and people's betterment, hopefully we do it because we love Jesus. Hopefully we do it because there's a calling. You know, so we pray and we discern, Lord, is this what you want me to do? And hopefully we're doing it because we love those people that we serve, you know, and maybe we do it because we love them or maybe after we start doing it because we feel called, then we start to love them. 
but we have opportunities to serve without hoping for recompense. Now, this doesn't mean, see, some people look at this and take it to the opposite extreme and they think, well, then I'm supposed to be a doormat. I'm like, my life doesn't matter. I should just pour myself out for these other people and be miserable and never get anything back at all. No, that's not what the Lord is saying. Because, you know, the Lord, once again, he had his friends. He had his mother. He had a life. I mean, ultimately, he knew he was going to the cross. But still, our Lord, you know, he took lots of time to pray. So his relationship with his father was primary. But also, you know, the Lord had great boundaries. The Lord defended and protected himself until it was time for him to die on the cross. So, yes, when we work with people, we, we try to find that balance where a person has good self-esteem, a person takes good care of themselves. Remember, Jesus says, love your neighbor as you love yourself. So first, we figure out what that means. How do I love myself appropriately? And then from there, all right, now I have something to give. It's like putting the mask on first in the airplane before you put the mask on your kid. Otherwise, you might faint, and then neither of you have a mask on. So... We, uh, we discern who is it that I am called to give myself to in a way, really it's about bringing the Lord to these people and it's in a big picture in society, but it's also, you know, every single day of my life, who is it that the Lord wants me to serve today? Maybe there's somebody I'm going to meet in the store that requires, uh, some kind words. Maybe there's somebody that's going to get on my nerves today and they require me to be patient and try to be understanding. Sometimes it's a little tough love. Sometimes we need to set a boundary, but to do it with kindness. There can be so many people the Lord puts in our paths right now this day. Maybe somebody breaks down on the side of the road. I don't know. Be careful with that because that can be dangerous. But we pay forward what we have been given. And one thing that helps us with this is to realize how much I have been given. We can't pay back what we've been given. And that's already, never mind the future. We can't pay it back. You can't pay back the gift of life. I can't give life to other people, right? I mean, of course, we can assist in the process as a parent, but also even just anything we do to enhance other people's lives. But we can't give life. That's a gift from God we can never pay back. There's so many other things. The air that I breathe, I didn't make this. The heart, my heart inside my chest that's beating. So there's so many things we've been given by our loved ones, but ultimately by the Lord. We can never pay back, but we strive to pay it forward. We strive to give it back through our love and, of course, worshiping God. Worship is so important and such a lost concept. This idea that, oh, God should be happy that I'm here. What? Are you kidding me? Your heart would stop beating if he stopped making it beat. You don't, you don't pay that back by an hour in church on a Sunday, even if you do that. We have so much that we have been given. So we place our treasure in heaven. And um, there's a lot of images for this. But what it does is it makes my soul grow. It makes my soul better and more loving. When I can help the poor, the lame, the blind, the sick, whoever's out there, maybe it's kids that don't get attention, that need that attention. Maybe it's kids that simply need to hear the truth because no one else is telling them. They're on those cell phones doing God knows what. 
they're out on the street doing God knows what. And then I have an opportunity to teach them the Ten Commandments, to teach them scripture, to teach them the mercy of God, to teach them about Our Lady and her intercession and how much they are loved, to spend time in prayer with these kids and to bring God's blessing into their lives. There is so much of an opportunity there. And then it's like that image from the Grinch. What's funny is that that image from the Grinch really, you know, they, they, uh, at the end when he had his conversion in the cartoon, you know, his heart grew. I forget. I wish I could remember the exact words because it was cleverly said, but they say when Philip Neary, St. Philip Neary died and they, I don't know if it was an autopsy or if maybe just his body decayed, but his heart didn't. They said his heart was uh, a couple times bigger. Because he was such a loving person, the Lord performed a miracle that his heart grew and grew and grew. I always use this image with uh, when people are asking about how the soul is filled with grace and how we lose grace through sin and how we get it back through confession. And, uh, you know, I use Mother Teresa as an example because she's an obvious one that's in our recent time period, uh, how when we do good deeds the soul grows. The capacity for grace grows. When we receive communion, it increases our capacity for grace. It increases sanctifying grace within us. Yes, in baptism, our soul is cleaned. We are filled with grace. In sin, we lose all that. In confession, we get it back. But when we receive the Eucharist devoutly, when we do good deeds, when we make sacrifices, the heart, the soul grows. Our capacity for grace increases. This is how we grow in virtue. So when we give, the Lord cannot be outdone in generosity. So the more we give, and those are even things that we've been given that we are giving, then the Lord gives more to us, all the more he gives to us. And our capacity and the grace within us grows and grows and grows. It just gets bigger and better all the time. So God is good to us, and he asks us to participate in this giving. I think of different saints I mean, I was just mentioning Mother Teresa, like, you know, a person might just barely get their foot in the door to heaven with a deathbed conversion. And I know this is a crude image, but I use it all the time to just teach about grace. Maybe they have a little thimble full of grace. They have a little shot glass and they're happy forever with that shot glass. That is their heart, their soul. It's full. It's clean. They have the grace of God. They repented of their sins and now they're in heaven. Mother Teresa She doesn't have a shot glass. She has like, you know, a warehouse filled with grace, (laughs) right? She has a stadium filled with grace, a planet filled with grace because of all her good deeds. And she, you know, she's one of many. We have many great saints in the history of our church, but that's what the Lord wants to do with us. Grow, help us to grow in our capacity for grace and for love. And we look for the opportunities around us. I think of different saints too that said, uh, the poor are our masters. I know that's something Vincent de Paul, St. Vincent de Paul used to say. Thinking of poor people as, you know, Pope John Paul used to say, the poor, the sick, those hurting most resemble Jesus in this world. So when we think of what Jesus said, the things you do for the least of my brothers and sisters you do for me, when you see a poor person, when you see a beggar, when you see someone sick, someone suffering, that's Jesus there. That's Jesus more than anybody else's Jesus in this world. And therefore we must recognize them as our masters. That is the Christ. Numerous saints that worked with the poor, you know, they prayed. Mother Teresa talked about having more adoration time to help her to see this. 
so that when she or these other saints would look into the eyes of these poor people, the dying people lying in the gutters, they would see Jesus. Imagine if you saw Jesus on the street and you knew it was Jesus and you saw him in pain, you saw him suffering, you saw him covered in filth, dying in a gutter. What would you do? What would you, would you ignore him and walk away? Or what if it was your child? Let's, let's change the equation a little bit. What if you saw your baby, your child? Maybe it's a grown child now, or maybe it's a child that's three years old, five years old, 10 years old, and you see them in the greatest suffering. Would you not even be willing to lay down your life for that child? This is what our Lord asks us to do with the poor, the lame, the sick, etc. That's the purpose of this reading. I think of, and I'll close with this one, St. John Bosco said, look to the young men that we teach. Many of these were orphans from the street, and he founded all these orphanages and schools and the, the oratories where the young men would come, he would play sports with them, and then he would teach them about the faith and pray with them. And he said, recognize that these young men, these are students, are our masters. And therefore, even though we must teach them, we treat them with the greatest respect, reverence, love, and kindness. So anyway, that's our lesson for the day. <laughs> our Lord is trying to show us this is how we grow in love. We reach out to those most in need. We give to them what we are able to give them. And this is all the more preparation for our eternal vocation to be overflowing with the love of Almighty God in his heavenly kingdom. Have a great day. God bless.